Hello and welcome to episode 369 of the Fabulous Pelton Cast, sponsored by our friends at Pagliacci Pizza. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And we are coming to you from Renton, Washington, home of the Super Bowl 48 champion Seattle Seahawks. And you know what episode number it is. <laughs> we have to say it. It's the Tyler Odd episode. Oh, there you go. That's right. I don't know if he's on my database. He's <laughs> in my spreadsheet. Nice. Uh, well, let's get into it, starting with uh, this week's beer in our search for Seattle's best IPA. It is from our friends at Black Raven Brewery, the okay. Trickster IPA. Okay. I don't feel like I've ever had a Black Raven beer besides the Festivus beer. I've had like a thousand have. times. Uh, but Black Raven. Did you ha- say a thousand times? Yeah, I've got some grievances to air no, about that statement. No. <laughs> this is a slight exaggeration. Uh, according to their website, Black Raven hatched in 2009 in Redmond. Uh, their brewing moved primarily to their Woodenville location in 2019, although the Redmond location continues to operate as well. Uh, in mythology, the raven can play tricks or otherwise disobey normal rules, hence the name Trickster. This well-balanced IPA has a light fruit, citrus, and piney hop aroma with a full hop flavor. With delicately balanced molten hops and a 6.9% ABV, this beer has truly earned its name. I gotta say I was a little skeptical about this when you first brought it up. I, I don't know what it is about Black Raven, but I always kind of think of it as sort of just like, this is this is a replacement-level brewery. You think so? I, I don't know. There's nothing about it that has ever, like, attracted me to Black Raven. But then I saw this can, and I'm telling you right now how important packaging is. It's pretty <laughs> sleek. It is a sleek can. This is a 19-ounce can. 19 ounces, but, like, the packaging is really nice. I feel like this is the best-looking uh, Black Raven beer that I've ever seen. And it makes me more excited about the beer itself. Well, there you go. It's it's quite drinkable on first try. Here. It's really uh, pungent after I open the can. Ooh, the hops are strong. The hops are real strong. So we'll come back and discuss this after we've had a little bit more. Our toast, we start with a congratulations to the Storm's Jewel Lloyd on being named Western Conference Player of the Week for last week. Lloyd averaged 24.3 points per game as the Storm went 2-1. and one. On their road trip, including a career-high 39 points Saturday in Dallas, the most a Storm player has ever scored in a regulation game in the regular season. Wow. I'm kind of shocked by that. Yeah, Brianna Stewart scored 42, I believe, last year in the playoffs. Lauren Jackson had 47 in an overtime game. I see. Those are the caveats. All right, next up to the second annual Champions of Change All-Star Basketball game coming up this Friday at Climate Pledge Arena featuring... Third Pelton brother, Jake Wall. There it is. I am so disappointed that I am going to be out of town and unable to watch this game. Uh, what I te- changed for Jake in his life that he became famous enough to participate in this game this year? I don't know that anything changed in Jake's life in that <laughs> regard. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> uh, I, I was texting with him about this. Uh, he asked me a little bit about the quality of play last year. Okay. Which wow, he's scouting. I like that. W- wasn't necessarily high, and he said that his strategy. We're gonna have it, we're gonna have Jake on next week. Okay. Okay. To recap his appearance, oh, obviously. I'm so mad that I'm not gonna be there. He said that his plan was just just to guard the worst player on the court at all times. Wow. So he's gonna guard himself? Oh no. <laughs> no, he's gonna be firing down threes, right? 
I don't. I've seen Jake play. I can't say I remember his game. I kind of forgotten it now. I think he's. I think he's a. a, a I think he's a shooter. But the important thing is, like, look, for a lot of it's a celebrity basketball game. There are more basketball players this year. We'll talk about them in a second. But a lot of these people have not played basketball in a long period of time. So the fact that the, that Jake plays pickup regularly gives him a leg up in this one. I think a leg up versus like Isaiah Thomas, <laughs> not versus him. <laughs> what players do you think playing pickup regularly? No, I'm saying like there's football players. Like last year, there was a oh, rugby okay. player who appeared to have never shot a basketball before in their life. Okay. There's lots of players from other sports involved. I, in I this. think the strategy, if you're Jake or any person, if you're any listener who is going into a celebrity all-star game, charity game or whatever, is you don't want to be embarrassed. So you can't be done. So you never want to play too hard defense. Correct. This, this is one of the only situations I would advise not trying that hard. You just want to clear out of the way. I think there's a lot of situations where I advise try, not trying that hard, but this is one of them. You want to clear not out of the way. Basketball. You don't want to be the guy who's trying harder than everybody else, and no. you definitely don't want to be dunked on. I mean, so the thing about last year's game, if I was to break it down, like when you play pickup with players who come pre- predominantly from other sports, there's like certain stereotypes they convey to. I weirdly play basketball like a soccer player. <laughs> what? We're like they have great endurance, not necessarily a lot of skill, but they're always going to be out on the break or, or like defending, defending the break because of the fact that they're used to running up and down all day. Okay. Football players, like very physical, typically, a lot of like throwing the ball hard at the rim, okay. in my experience. <laughs> and that was kind of what last year's game was like. Because obviously there was a pretty heavy football base and there's going to be many football players back this year. Uh, I... I I don't. It doesn't seem like Michael Bennett is probably going to play after his attempt to last year. See, his attempt to last year, and then he like spent the second half just joined the the broadcast. Basically. That's where my, Michael Bennett knows exactly. Where he yeah, he water does. finds its He's level. But the <laughs> other thing, there's there's one other thing that you don't want to be in the game. What's that? I think you can be the worst player, but you don't want to be. The charity case player, where everybody's passing you the, you're like mm. firing fifty threes, and everybody's getting the rebound and passing it to you again and again and again. And then you finally hit one, and people cheer out of pity. You don't want to be that player. You don't want to be so, the lock on. I I think anonymous is anonymous oh, bad. Of course, is where you want to yeah. be rather than so embarrassingly bad that everybody else on the court takes pity on you. I mean, where you actually want to be is Arnie Duncan in the... Just good. <laughs> yeah. That's what you want to be. But... Then but, you play in college. Yeah. For, mo- for most of us, that's not an option. So yes, you're, you're aiming for anonymously bad. So the Champions of Change uh, Foundation was formed by Cliff Averill, Doug Baldwin Jr. They, they both will play, and Michael Bennett. Uh, this year's game features newcomers Cameron Brink from Stanford, Sydney Rice. Who is Cameron Brink? Stanford women's team. Okay. Likely top five pick in next year's WNBA draft, assuming that she declares. Okay. Uh, Sydney Rice, Trey Simmons, Rodney Stuckey, and Isaiah Thomas, who did not play last year. I feel like, was it opposite the Zeke end last year? Was that an issue? I can't remember, but the timing works out better this year. In addition to the returning Jamal Crawford, Spencer Haas, and Will Conroy. I'm really skeptical which of these players you think that... Again, this is not the full rosters. Okay. There are like 10 plus players on each team. Okay. Like Charlie Furbush, who played briefly for the Mariners. Oh, okay. The Mariners, We're down to Charlie Furbush level. Was, was one of the competitors last year. 
is back again this year. Brian Walters, who did oh. actually play some basketball. Brian Walters can hoop, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, he can. He he doesn't even look like the football player trying to play basketball. I will I will give him that. But it's not all basketball players. I've just mostly named the basketball players because they are they are perhaps the biggest names among this group. Charlie Furbush running it back two years in a row. <laughs> running back. Wow. All you had to be was a Mariners reliever in like 2012 or something. <laughs> yes. Huh. Uh, so speaking of Doug Baldwin Jr., last Friday was the grand opening for the Family First Center in Renton. Wow. Thanks to everybody, all of the listener who helped fund it through their donations and by attending Peltoncast Live. It's awesome to feel like we played some small part in this, but obviously Doug Baldwin Jr., the driving force in the creation of this community center right near where you used to live. I'm fascinated to see it. Me too. Charlie Ferber spent quite a few years with the Mariners. How long? 2011, 2015. I think he, he he's presumably still makes Seattle his home as he's married to uh, Michelle Ludka of the local Fox 13 sports department. Okay. Yeah. All right. Lastly, this week, uh, <laughs> Oakview Group selected by the city of Seattle and Seattle Public Schools to redevelop Memorial Stadium into a 10,000-seat stadium capable of hosting local pro sports teams in time for the 2026 World Cup practices when Seattle was hosting those games. He was traded for Doug Fister, was part of that deal. Doug Fister, wow. And I think Doug Fister was my favorite Mariner for, like, at least a couple of games. Yeah. Good for Doug Fister. He was uh, at... Marco went to a birthday party this weekend. Do you see this on Instagram? And they had... The party favors were Mariner's cards from 1998. First off, how did they find this? Well, the internet is an incredible place. Can you imagine that? And it was just Mariners. It wasn't like baseball in general. And Mm -hmm. they were unopened packs of of five Mariners cards from 1998. Whoever this family is, that is an incredible party favor for the parents of the children who are at the party. I mean, having a party favor for the parents of the children who are at the party is a great start in the first they place. Gave, they gave it to the kids. And they also, like, I guess you could just, like, select the cards because there was, like, an obstacle course that happened at this party. Huh. And so I guess Marco could have chosen, like, a Griffey card or whatever. I don't really know what he would do the, with that in the year 2023 right. or whatever. He's not sending it in to get raided. Um, but he could post a TikTok of him opening up the pack. Maybe we should have considered that. Anyway, this is like the TikTok that I'm seeing all the time. It's people opening. Does he have a TikTok account? No, no, he doesn't. (laughs) It's people opening basketball training card packs looking for like a special color or rookies or whatever. And they're Mm -hmm. like, we pulled it. And it's always like the most name. Who's the most anonymous rookie you could think of from last year? Most anonymous rookie from last year. (sighs) Maybe who's drafted though. Yeah. Give me, give me a second to think on this one. Uh, Malachi Branham. <laughs> yeah, that's who it is. They're like, <laughs> I paid five hundred dollars for a box of cards, and they're like, Oh, it's a it's autograph, and it's like, it's Malachi, and they're like, I don't even know who that is. It's like <laughs> me either, bro. Anyway, if I've heard of the player, it is like a miracle. But uh, I watch every time for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. You're just like people opening things. There's something psychologically about somebody looking at something that is unknown that attracts us to it. I anyway. Mean, yes, there's there's a lot of research on that, but why the, how, how that feeds into TikTok and, and YouTube in particular still remains unclear to me. Nin- it's the same psychology. I know. 1998. But you could be watching people 
open things that are more consequential. Like what? I don't know. There's also ones with the world leaders trading cards. You know what I mean? That they would make. <laughs> Those are the best. Um, but so he. You got to make sure you get a rookie though. <laughs> that's it's a it's a long running joke or whatever. But uh, has his pack five mariners in it, and I'm like, wow. I hope you pull a Griffey or whatever. Marco doesn't care. He doesn't know who any of these people are. They all retired before he was born. That is, that is correct. But. He pulls in the pack from Vizalia, California, PCL's finest. I did notice that in the... Uh... Rich Amaral. And I'm like, do you know who led the PCL in hitting? And Luca's like, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, the Pacific Coast, like, idiot. Uh, I'm like, what team was he playing for? It wasn't for was it for Vizalia? I guess they weren't in that. It was a Calgary Cannons from, from Vizalia. Calgary Cannons is who he was playing for. The Calgary Cannons. That's I believe that's a, like that that stadium may be at altitude. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why he had hit for average better. Oh, it helps all, all in all regards. Okay. Like averages are higher at Coors Field. Do you not? Uh, do you not think that's the case? Uh, anyway, I thought that was kind of wild. That of all players, it was like Jamie Moyer, Edgar Martinez, Jay Buhner, and then Rich Amaral. <laughs> of course, it was. It, it had to be. It had to be. I wowed the children with my knowledge of where Rich Amaral was from and his five-hit game for the Mariners. <laughs> uh, that was the that was the one on opening night, right? He had five hits on opening night. Was I it? think it's still a Mariners record, isn't it? Has somebody gotten six hits since then? Uh, it might be tied for a Mariners record. Uh, Calgary is at 3,400 feet elevation. Oh, not quite a mile high. Not quite a mile high, but still, still considerable. I know how high a mile high is because of the Nuggets court. <laughs> They do, they do go out of their way to tell us about it. All right, well, the NBA draft is coming up this Thursday. Wait, we have one last toast unless we're doing food news. What toast? Oh, you kept telling me this, but you never explained any context for it, so I did not put it in the notes. That's I have to give you context for everything. I said, don't forget to put this in the notes. And then I forgot to put it in the notes. And That's then you rejected it. But huge food news. In the city of Seattle. Last week, I was at the soft, soft opening at... Wow, the, two the, softs? It's a so, it was a very soft opening. Okay. I might have been the only person there. It was a pillowy soft opening? Yeah. There were not many... It was employees, maybe not even that. But the soft, soft opening at the Crocodile in Seattle's Belltown neighborhood, in the bar underneath the Hereafter Bar, right, where the comedy club is... Opening soon. The best sandwiches in Seattle, Washington. Not Maono, because those aren't sandwiches. Tats Deli at the Crocodile. Get ready for it. Can you imagine? Wall toast to that. There we go. Because that's this, also, that's presumably like wildly different hours than the. Oh, it's going late, baby. It tats. is going yeah. late. If you're at a show at the Croc, dance party, comedy club, whatever, it's fucking 12 a.m., 1 a.m., and you want yourself a tatstrami, it is right there. They have Old Bay fries. Am I going to be able to get the tats if I'm not at an event at the Crocodile? Absolutely. There's a bar that's just open to the public. All right. Well, okay. Yeah. This is huge food news. Again, the best sandwich everybody agrees in the city of Seattle, at the Croc. I'm telling you, I cannot imagine a better pairing for late night food. This is like straight up Seattle dog outside of a show. 
I mean, it's not because it's better. Already it's exists. better yeah. food. I I agree. One of Seattle's two best and, sandwiches, and I had it. Maybe it's maybe a slightly higher price point. I think it's worth it though. We had the, the turkey tat there. Uh, they do not have the turkey tat; just regular tat straw meat. It's That's, a limited menu, which is fine by me. No, it's it's you're just honing in on the best foods, right? The the tats menu, every item I assume is amazing. I've basically only had three items because when you find the tatstrami, you don't stray that far away. When you're looking for some Russian dressing, I agree. Uh, but had it, it was as good as it is at tats. The quality was not lower. And again, I don't think I've ever seen Old Bay fries at tats before, and they had Old Bay fries there. I feel like they definitely have fries on the tats menu. No, they have fries, but I'm saying with yeah, Old Bay. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It was incredible. Well, that I mean, that sounds quite good. I, yeah. I look forward to trying this out. I'm going to double check on these on whether they have the Old Bay fries here. Because we need to fact check you. Yeah, old, fresh cut fries, Old Bay or regular. Okay. was on the menu. So I guess I had never really paid attention to that or noticed it. All right, with that, the NBA draft, as we record this, less than 48 <sighs> hours away. And the most important news about the NBA draft out there, yes, is that I, oh wow, Kevin Pelton. I was asked earlier this week if I referred to myself ever in the third person. I said very rarely, uh, and then I referred to myself as ESPN's Kevin Pelton as a joke. Uh, That's will be senior writer. <laughs> yeah, who corrected that? <laughs> I forget who did, but someone the listener did. I remember who it was. I can't remember. That was Grant Wojan, I think. Okay. Uh, we'll be part of a live stream during the NBA draft this year. Wow. From Bristol, Connecticut, from our studios, which also includes New Orleans Pelicans forward Trey Murphy III. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Say hi we'll, for me. We'll be right on the same panel <laughs> with me. Do you think your perspective, you should, like when you're talking about players, will be the same? You should grade the Bradley Beal trade again <laughs> and get Trey Murphy's response on that. Like, you're like you're like now the widely hated ES, ESPN oh. senior analyst Kevin Pelton. Every tweet they have, it was like the post about. Of course, they had to highlight the Beal trade grades, which I I, I hate. I don't know if you read the comments, but uh, enough. Uh, I read enough of them. Uh, people are really skeptical whether you watch basketball <laughs> or not. Uh, the but then they go out of their way to post that you talking about Wemby. It makes it seem like he's gonna like you're like yeah he's fucking trash. <laughs> it's just like straight up. That's welcome to ESPN. Did you not know you worked there? <laughs> you work at the same place as Stephen A. Smith. This is what they're looking for. This is what pays the bills. Uh, anyway, I I just I read all the comments and I, <laughs> uh, with Glee, of course, and <laughs> I agreed with every single one of them. Is that what, what Ben B was saying? Also, <laughs> that he agreed with every single one of them when he I said that the, the replies were hilarious. The re- no, the, the reply like the my favorite comments were the people who agreed with you, who were just making the same argument to the people in the comments, and then people getting mad at that person. <laughs> whatever, it's just like it's a it's a virtuous cycle. That was what's what's the term where where something really sta- it was like Chekhov's D. <laughs> I don't know if that's that's the correct application there. What is it when you have Chekhov something? 
Chekhov's gun is like when something is referenced early on in a story, you know it's going to come back. So, for example, Chekhov's extra point was when Jason Myers missed an extra point in the third quarter. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to make the difference in whether this game goes to overtime or not. And it did. Honestly, it's the exact opposite of Chekhov's D. That that was a Mina Kimes tweet for the record. Because nobody, Bradley Beal probably is not going to win a championship with the Suns, and nobody's going to bring up that trade great again. <laughs> nobody's sure going to go back and be like, wow, you know who was right on that <laughs> one? ESPN's Kevin Pelton and those three commenters. <laughs> it never happens. Not one time. <laughs> the 185 other people on Twitter <laughs> who disagreed. I mean, it, it is interesting. Like, I saw someone something on Reddit about, like, me being trying to be like a know-it-all contrarian it's like i don't actually like obviously i assume that people are going to be more excited about the suns getting bradley beal than i am because i'm thinking about bradley beal's 47 million dollar contract and the second apron luxury tax implications in a way that you know the average fan understandably is not not as familiar with the incoming collective bargaining agreement but i didn't know that it was going to be that unpopular i assumed people would generally think the same thing that Bradley Beal it's like wildly known that Bradley Beal has the worst contract in the NBA every grade you're right you're like people are finally gonna be like Pelton nailed it on this one I don't don't think you're like you can hear the chants of Pelton Pelton (laughs) you're like like, you know that Nuggets parade they had last week after this trade grade they're gonna have a parade for me (laughs) lo and behold people thought a trade for a superstar was good Well, I never, an aging superstar to a team with Kevin Durant, they thought that was a good trade? I dare say, people. I didn't think it was going to be that upsetting. I didn't didn't think that other people... Twitter overreacted to a a clickbait post? For example, my colleague Zach Harper graded it much more favorably for the Suns than I did. Uh Uh-huh. So I didn't necessarily expect that. ESPN didn't highlight that shit, though, did they? They did not highlight another a competitor's trade <laughs> grades, no. You're, My former colleague. He's, okay, he's you, at said the your, athletic. you said your colleague, and I was like, wow, he's, shouts to Harper, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But no, nobody, nobody's going to be posting on Twitter the B+, plus, the <laughs> B grade. I'm sorry. The D is what gets posted on Twitter. Are you just, are you just getting used to this? I'm not, not many just getting you used to this. <laughs> but like... You you would think at some point people might learn the lesson. No! This is Twitter! <laughs> NBA executives like, don't learn the lesson. You think Twitter reply guys are going to learn the lesson? That's not the point. I, I agree it's not the point. They're not like... There's no reply guy who's like, well, that was reason analysis. <laughs> That's not <laughs> what it's about. So anyways... <laughs> Thursday night, I'll be on the Hoop Collective I just live stream. You're like, yeah, people, I think... I think I people didn't are... know it was going to draw that much of a reaction. <laughs> like, it's Clearly not when you I... you don't watch the games. Maybe you, maybe you do watch the games, but you don't read the internet. <laughs> I, I think that might be, might be plausible. I have oh, this conversation with my buddy Seth Partnow all the time. How he's, like, angry about something on Twitter, and I'm like, I, I don't... I'm not even seeing wow. this. Name dropping again. <laughs> Anyway, tell so us again, about how you're going to be me on and my best, best friend, friend Trey Murphy. <laughs> Third, <laughs> we're going to be on. Uh, also, uh, so Brian Windhorst will, of course, be is, a part is of. Is Trey it. Murphy going to be there in person? Yeah, in Bristol, Connecticut. As as far as I understand, Trey Murphy's going there. Yeah, you going for drinks after? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> like it'll wrap up. You'll be like, "Wow, Trey, that was pretty. That was like really good broadcast." Be like, "What are you doing after this?" <laughs> 
I mean, I have to write, I have to write draft grades. I mean, oh, he does the trade grades where I'm popular. Are you going to be wait furious? until I write draft grades? <laughs> like they traded two second round picks for a future <laughs> second round pick. <laughs> no, not, not this is the grade that people really love. Not draft trade grades. I mean, I will be writing those. I'm writing grading the actual draft picks. Oh, grades on the draft yeah. picks, Mel Kiefer style. Have you, do you do that every year? That's this will be the first time. This is a first. Yeah. Wow. Let's just say if a team takes a punter before Russell Wilson, <laughs> you just, maybe you grade that team worse. Well, fortunately, here in basketball, all positions are equally valued, so <laughs> yeah. we don't have that issue. That's a subtweet that like three people will get. Uh, yeah. So you're doing draft grades immediately after at the bar with Trey Murphy? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, do a shot. You're going to be drinking a, a Gansett there. <laughs> I assume that's what you're drinking. A what? A Gansett. Is that the New England beer? No, it's from Pennsylvania. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But that's what they have all throughout the East Coast. I've had a Yingling in, in Connecticut. Oh, well, you could have a Yingling, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so you're, you're sucking down on Tall Boys of the Gansett with Trey Murphy. <laughs> And you're just typing out your draft grades. Yeah. Every grade, and just you'll be like, I think this is a D. And Trey Murphy will be like, nah, that's an A. <laughs> you should have Trey Murphy's draft and trade grades. You Ask him what he thought about the Beal trade. I guarantee you it's an A+. Plus. You know. Uh, this is this seems like some sort of an uh, SNL short. Being a year with Trey Murphy the third. What SNL short do you think involves ESPN's Kevin Pelton I'm not saying... and a, a basketball player that I hadn't heard of before you told me about him yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think there's one in there. So the Portland Trailblazers hold the third pick in the draft. In a spoiler, Victor Wembenyama is likely to go first to the San Antonio Spurs. My colleague Woj reported earlier... Uh, Tuesday that you Brandon grade, you should grade that draft really, really badly because it's the <laughs> obvious pick. <laughs> I mean, they don't get an A for taking Wemby. Like they didn't they do get, anything to they take get Wemby. An a for getting Wemby on the team. That's their lottery luck is an A. That's not an A for their. Well, you don't grade that. Well, exactly. <laughs> I don't grade do, that. You should do lottery <laughs> luck grades. <laughs> If your team it's ends a pretty up, obvious I, grade though. If your team ends up with Victor Wimbamiyama in the draft, the I'm draft sorry, who, isn't who it? are they getting? Victor Wimbamiyama. Yeah, that's that's not his name. Nailed it again. Okay. Um, look, when he's when he's drafted by the Seahawks with pick twenty, I'll figure out how to pronounce his name. But until then, <laughs> uh, so Woj reported earlier Tuesday that Brandon Miller solidified his standing with the Charlotte Hornets as the number two pick. Really, in a second workout. Wow, okay. So it's done. They're saying he's being I, drafted. Solidified, solidified his standing. That doesn't mean that it's over. Uh, that would clear the path for the Blazers to either trade the rights to Scoot Henderson or draft him number three overall. When the Blazers first jumped up to three in the lottery, I would have probably said like an 80% chance they trade the pick. Okay. I feel like the signs since then have pointed a little more towards them keeping it. Okay. In particular, one interesting move is for their new G League team that's coming online this season, they hired in the front office Pooh Jetter, who was formerly Scoot Henderson's teammate with the G League Ignite teammate. last season. Yeah. Okay, not coach. Not No, no Pooh Jetter Poo's was playing alongside him. Still playing? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so they hired him in the front office. Yes. Which seems like less than a coincidence. I, I still think... 
before the draft happens, I don't know if I would take too much. I think people take stock in those things. Wasn't there like the Suns had hired like Luca's coach or whatever? Well, yes, they hired Igor Kokoshkov prior to winning the lottery. And then they decided to draft DeAndre Ayton. Like, who, I, who went to the University of Arizona, which also the Robert Sarver went to. I understand. I think that tie was stronger. Pujetter, by the way, player development coach for the Blazers. I guess he's not the front office. It's, it's coaching staff. Oh, assistant GM for the G League team and player development coach. I don't know if we should take too much from that because they don't know, right? There, there is a good don't. chance. The Blazers don't know what trade is going to come in. Like, they wouldn't make a hire for presumably a long-term contract with a yeah. fairly good chunk of money attached to it or whatever just because of the possibility of them getting scoot. They wanted to hire Pujetter either way. Sure. So I don't know if we need to take too much from that, but what and is... he has the local ties, is having played at UP. What is the latest that you're hearing about this pick right now as we sit? I mean, we, we, what do you say I'm hearing? Like, I'm not out there, like, talking you, to you people. As a, you're an aggregator right now, yeah. right? Yeah. You as the aggregator of whatever the conversations are that are happening, you're hearing a lot more. You're paying... How about this? Not hearing, right? Yes. You're paying attention to a lot more of the chatter than I am. The Blazers are, by all accounts, making a lot of offers involving the number three pick. It seems Make, like the making a lot or receiving a lot. Well, I think making. So they're they're being aggressive about trying to trade that third pick. But the value that they're placing on that third pick is such that I don't know that it's likely that any of those offers come to fruition. Who who is the player? Is Zion out of the question? Because I don't think he's out of the question, but I don't I don't know that I think that's a likely scenario. Is that too steep for the third pick? Like no. Zion is more valuable, or the Blazers are less interested in it. I just don't don't think it's a likely scenario. It's it's a long shot. Okay, who are some other players that you feel like? I mean, so there was a report that they've offered the number three pick to Miami for Bam Adebayo. Okay, so the Miami Heat can either choose between. Well, let's would we like to have the number three pick and our current roster, the rest of our current roster, or would we like to have Bam Adebayo and the chance at trading for Damian Lillard should he request a trade from the Blazers if they keep the number three pick. Which do you think the Miami Heat would prefer those two options? Because I think I know. What are you, what are you looking up here? <laughs> I'm looking up the term for it in succession when the company that was trying to buy them. Uh, I was, I, I do remember it's called like a Viking takeover or something. What is that term? That sounds, that sounds plausible, yeah. Is the term? I don't. I don't know. Specifically. I'm not I seeing. Want... I have that that term wrong. That's what I was frantically looking for before you called me out. <laughs> but I love the idea of the game of chess where they're like, "We're taking Bam out of bio," and they're like, "No, we're you're, taking Dame." You're Willard. not getting Dame. We're taking Bam out of bio. That's what happened here. The Blazers were the team that were being acquired. That was like this scenario. They did not. They are Logan Roy, or they they are uh, <laughs> Kendall Roy in that situation. They are not understanding their position. Let me just say in that one, that is very cute that the Blazers think that. But also at the same time, I'm just like, Bam Adebayo, I watched obviously the entire finals, him in the playoffs quite a bit. Bam Adebayo doesn't change the Blazers that much. Uh, I think he would. Are the Blazers a top four seed with Bam Adebayo? No. Okay. So then what, literally, what are you doing? I'm not saying you have to win the championship, but like... 
I mean, you, you're trying to signal to Damian Lillard that you're trying to trade the pick without actually trying to trade the pick. Okay, so you're trying to, you, you think they're just, but that's not even like outlandish. You know what I mean? Like if they were, Bam, it like, is because Miami would never do it. It's not like they're offering the three pick to San Antonio for Wemby. I agree. That's not. Yeah, that's, that would be like. <laughs> it's not like you're, hey, Dallas, would you like the three pick for Luca? They're like, I think we could pair Giannis and Dave <laughs> with this pick for Scoot Henderson that the team ahead of us doesn't want to draft. I are there any other names besides Bam? I mean, like I mentioned OG Ananobi when they first got the pick. He's still a logical option. Pascal Siakam also from Toronto. Both of these guys going into the last year. Pro- of their probably contract. available. Like probably could make nah, that trade. I wouldn't say probably available. I'd say plausibly available. Okay. No one really knows what Toronto is doing. Okay. But again, neither of those. If you have the Ross, the Blazers roster, plus. there's not again. There's no one they're going to be able to trade with with the third pick that is going to immediately turn them into a championship contender from a team that you know uh, couldn't even compete for a play-in spot last year. Okay, how how likely are they to trade Dame? I would say my 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 gut feeling at the moment is that it is more likely than not that Damian Lillard is not with the Blazers at the start of next season. Next season. What about the start of next week? Well, sure. I mean, I don't know how quickly that would happen. You, I don't think there's a huge rush to do it. So you're not you're saying that you think there is a better than fifty percent chance that a Dame trade happens before the season, not necessarily around the draft, though. Well, I don't think it would come together that quickly. No. Okay. So you think the draft happens? The most likely outcome, or better than fifty percent outcome, is which would make it the most likely outcome? They take Scoot. They keep the pick. They keep the pick. They take Scoot. They're like, what do you think, Dame? Here's the roster. We have our 50th guard. Are you happy with this? Dame obviously is like... Damian Lillard said at the end of the season in the exit interviews that he wasn't that excited about playing. You know, I'm paraphrasing here that he wasn't that excited about playing with another young player from this draft. I don't think that has changed. Uh Uh-huh. So... They're not going to draft an old player from this draft. Drew Timmy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they get Drew Timmy in the second round. Every, this changes everything. I that's probably the best outcome for the Blazers long term. Yeah, despite the fact that Damian Lillard is the greatest Blazer of all time, without question, up there with the greatest Northwest not players question, of all time. But he he has surpassed Clyde Drexler and Bill Walton, I think, in terms of his Portland specific career. He hasn't had as high of a highs as they've had, but he's never played with as good of players. Not at the team level, but I would say that. Yeah, and I mean, Clyde Drexler did have an all-NBA first-team season, but I I think Damian Lillard has had a longer sustained peak of great play than Clyde Drexler did in Portland. Honestly, Bill Walton. And yeah, Walton had a higher peak, but sadly, all too brief. Let's say entire Northwest, Dame, let's say he's the best Blazer ever. I know that we're. I'm going to be biased at least towards Sonics. I mean, he's still not ahead of Gary Payton's Sonics career, I don't think. But it's close. I mean, like I was thinking the other day, day that like between the Oakland point guards you can have a pretty good debate Jason Kidd's probably still the best all-time point guard from Oakland but I almost spit up my wine when you said well, that are you kidding me it's close Jason Kidd is better than Gary Payne or Dame Lillard I think so he's like second all-time in both assists in Steve. do you even watch basketball <laughs> now I'm gonna have to go find those comments again about this oh, that is absurd no. <laughs> 
Oh, no. Jason Kidd better than Dame Lillard and Gary Payton. Yeah. That is ridiculous. How is that ridiculous? <laughs> he He's not even that good. Well, that's a ridiculous comment. I mean, he was like runner-up for MVP. I mean, that was kind of ridiculous what he was, but still. He's not an all-around player at all. Jason Kidd? Was he as good of a defender as GP? Could he score like GP could? He couldn't score like GP could, no, but he's a better passer. When was he ever on a good team? One time with the Nets? You know he won the championship as the starting point guard for the Mavericks, right? <laughs> but a much bigger role when he won a championship than Gary Payton did at the end of his career when he did. <laughs> Do you, did you not follow Jason Kidd's career very well? That was a well? sham championship. <laughs> I mean, also the triple-doubles. Like three Blue Jays. <clears throat> He's second, he is, in fact, second all-time in assists and second all-time in steals. <laughs> That's actually wild. Yeah. <clears throat> Fair enough. But, uh, but the fact that Oakland has, like, three of the ten greatest point guards of all time from one city and all since, you know, came in, coming into the league since 1990 is pretty wild. Let's say you, as a person who's generally covering the Blazers as the closest team. Yeah. And also, knowing that the Sonics, it's done, they're coming back, wanting the Blazers as a rival in four or five years. Like, they draft Scoot, they've got this young roster. This is the best outcome. Ultimately, this is the moment. I mean, you said it. Like, none of these moves are going to make them a championship contender. Like, maybe somehow, you know, they they make this trade and Shaden develops, you know, so quickly that he takes them to a higher level. I I mean, but you're you're threading a needle, basically. But also, you would look at it and you would say, like, long-term, four or five years. But you also, you know, like, Damon Lillard doesn't have the no-trade clause that Bradley Beal does. But the reason, like, if the Wizards had traded Bradley Beal a year and a half ago at the trade deadline, they would have gotten so much more for him than they did now. You don't want to make the trade too late. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that makes sense. I mean, it's like the the Nets being able to get the haul that they got for KD or whatever. Find a team that's desperate. I mean, it's the Heat, obviously. I mean, maybe someone else makes a better offer than the Heat. They only have or, so many draft picks available. Or you use that to leverage. After whatever. the draft, the Heat can, I believe, trade three first-round picks. Plus pick swaps? Plus some pick swaps, yes. So they could end up with something like five first-round picks from the Heat. What do you mean? You're counting the swaps as first-round yeah, well, picks? Yeah, ultimately. Like, they're not I don't think I would picks. count them that way because you know, you're going into a rebuild if you make that move. But you're going into it in that scenario with positive picks and with two top 10 picks already as your core in, in Shaden and Scoot. And pretty exciting players. Yeah. But there's also a chance that like, like from, from a person who attends games in Portland standpoint, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, obviously the better scenario for me is somehow they find a way to make one of these trades and like they're competitive next year, but not OG but, and Unobi. Like, are they competitive or they make the play in? They're make the play and probably make the playoffs. Following Scoot, if he's exci- if he's Jaw or whatever, who's who's his most comparable player to you? I think physically he's closer to Derrick Rose in terms of his strength and, Can you and shoot? athleticism. Uh, he has shown some indications of being able to shoot, but overall no. Okay, but most of these guys can't shoot 
or like super athletic point guards when they come into the league. And they learn how to shoot or? Some of them do. Jason Kidd's case. No, Jason Kidd. <laughs> Where's he all time? He's 15th in NBA history in three pointers. 15th. <laughs> I don't know. Is your, is your opinion of Jason Kidd stuck in 1997? <laughs> like, I know you followed the NBA after that. Here's a, here's a fun trivia question. Oh my God. You use this at the bar the next time. You and Trey Murphy? <laughs> yes, I will 100% do this. Who had more career three pointers, Jason Kidd or Dirk Nowitzki? Well, the answer is going to be Jason Kidd because you set yeah. me up for that. Obviously, it is. Who had more career three pointers, Jason Kidd or JJ Redick? Are you kidding? Yep. Well, JJ Redick was a role player. Like, Who had more three career three pointers, Jason Kidd or Kobe? This That's is, kind of bonkers. It's an amazing Kobe. list. Wow. Jason, Jason Kidd or Jason. Steve Nash, for whom he was once... Are no, I guess he wasn't me? traded. They played together in Phoenix. He's hit more threes than those... How many years did this motherfucker play? <laughs> One of years. <laughs> like, Jason Kidd played... All of those other people knew respectfully when to retire. <laughs> he was still very good his last season. <laughs> his last season was the Knicks when they made the second round of the playoffs. And then he retired to go become the head coach of the Nets, and neither of them ended up better up ended up better off for that particular move. He played 19 seasons in the NBA. How many did Dirk play? Uh, let's see. Dirk came in in '99 and retired in 2000. Wait, was his last his last year was 15? No, no, it was after that. He played a lot of years too. How did Jason Kidd hit more threes than? Him? Yeah. Dirk never was that high volume of a three-point shooter. That's why Cat can go around and declare himself the greatest big man shooter of all time. Wow, uh, Dirk... Sam Perkins <clears throat> gone? Has he been <laughs> vanished from history? Dirk played 21 seasons. Dirk played more seasons than Jason Kidd? That's correct. And Jason Kidd hit more threes? That is correct. <laughs> You're just relayed for this. He was only a 35% career three-point shooter, but he took a lot of them. Wow. Well, we really have reassessed Jason Kidd's career here <laughs> in this Blazers segment. <clears throat> I really did not expect that. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what happens. I, I think the thing that I would want the least to happen is the OG and Yunobi trade or something like that. Because it's just like... Oh, believe me, they could get lower upside than OG. I'm sure they could. Any of those. But it's it's like, it's not going to be fun for the future. When you look far enough out, it's kind of like, we're not going to be paying attention to the Blazers forever here. You know what I mean? It's the Canucks. We'll see. Right? But like, <laughs> we'll grow to hate them eventually. But in in the more immediate, it would be fun to have Scoot on TV in Seattle every single night, especially if he's good and fun. Yeah. And I still believe in Shaden. So speaking of root sports, it's time for your favorite segment. Don't burn yourself. We got Mariners hot takes coming at you. Okay, so I want to talk about something more important than Mariners baseball. Oh. That's right, children's baseball. <clears throat> the reason I was not watching the Mariners this weekend, in fact, uh, aside from all of it. So. Oh, aside from all the other reasons? Oh, uh, just the whole experience of watching the Mariners. You yeah. understand. Yes, they were taking two out of three. Oh, it's really, really thrilling stuff. So. Lucas' team has a tournament this weekend, one that we feel like they should probably be able to win. 
We know most of the teams in the tournament pretty well. We've done our scouting or whatever. We've looked through every game they've played. Except for there's one team that we don't know that much about. They're a brand new team. They haven't played that many games. So during the tournament, things are going pretty well. Lucas' team is winning every game or whatever. They're, they're dominating. They're not giving up any runs. And on the other side of the bracket, there's this other team shutting out everyone. They're run-ruling them in four innings. They had given up only one run all tournament before the championship game. And where do you think this team is from? Mercer Island? From way down in the Southland of Canada. <laughs> what? The Langley BC 10U All-Stars. <laughs> so, Luke, <laughs> so Luke is starting the championship game. And straight up, this game to me is revenge for all of the Mariners Blue Jays games. All the times you've experienced this, I've been in downtown Seattle and seen these people come here trying to pay with their doubloons or whatever they use. <laughs> the metric system. The music of Nickelback. And them claiming their north while living way down in sunny Toronto. <laughs> or Montreal, for that fact. Right before the game. Luca's coach comes up to him and says, he just got a text from Dave Waynehouse, noted Canadian, and Luca's <laughs> pitching coach. He says, this actually happened. He says, Dave texted to Luca. He says, Dave texted me to say, tell Luca to shove it down the throats of those little fucking Canadian bastards. <laughs> this is how you know we're playing baseball, by the way. The casual swearing to a 10-year-old. Oh, boy. That's where it's at. And I knew that Dave Wayne Hudson didn't actually text that to the coach, but I'm so happy that he told Luca this and he had the voice right. He had everything right. I'm not even exaggerating. This actually happened. Uh, so anyway, bottom of the first rolls around. Luca's on the mound. He goes 3-0 to the first batter. And I'm freaking out. They were close pitches, but they're all balls. And I swear to God, I'm having Mitch Wild thing Williams flashbacks. This has gone south, literally. He will never hear the end of it if he blows this game. From me, of course. Uh, if he gets roughed up by a bunch of 10-year-olds who aren't even from Banff. <laughs> but he fights back after that. Goes 3-0 strikes out the kid on three pitches after that. Later in the inning, 3-0 again strikes out the kid after that. He throws, for the rest of the game, like four more balls, and he's locked in. He ends up going complete game shutout, seven strikeouts in four innings. I know, not enough. They win the championship 13-0, and that one World Series is ours again. That's right. We're taking it back by shoving it down the throats of these, very polite, I should add, Canadian bastards. We the North. We, <laughs> we the North. That was for the we North. We right the there. North. Wow, truly incredible stuff. Don't Google the <clears throat> uh, latitude of Langley, BC. Of yes, Langley, I'm, I'm BC. aware that Langley, BC, all of BC <laughs> is north of us. It's, it's, it's different province. Way down there in sunny Langley, BC. But uh, as Pelton quotes brought to our attention earlier this week, 70% of the Canadian population yeah. 
is south and there's of 30 depressed percent of those people <laughs> after this weekend <laughs> oh no oh boy the, their entire hopes of the entire the entire oh man i didn't put this in the rundown <laughs> what was that also, we didn't. We, you know what? We forgot to check in on the a, the uh, Coachella Valley. Yeah, Coachella Valley Firebirds, who were off to a, a three and lead, three zero lead in the series the last time that I I checked in. Uh, they were doing stuff where they were telling people, the citizens of uh, the Coachella Valley area, not to eat any Hershey's candy during the series. Really, Hershey's chocolate. Uh, wow, Coachella Valley won Game Six. I guess they were only up two nothing. This series is going seven. Wow. Wow, it's really serious. Really, Colder it's Club forever. <laughs> Big stuff. But is there anything after the Colder Club? Because no, that's it. Being that's poor. It. At some point, they got to stop playing hockey and prepare for the next season <laughs> in the desert. <laughs> but so there was a move in the WHL. The Winnipeg Ice, who got taken down by the Thunderbirds in the WHL Finals, uh, are have been sold and are being relocated to Wenatchee. What? For next season. They're going way down south to the Wenatchee. Wow. A massive toast to that <laughs> right there. We got another one, Canada. <laughs> uh, they, they haven't won the uh, Stanley Cup in They're moving decades. all the way north from Winnipeg yeah. <laughs> to Wenatchee. So the Mariners, they went forward <laughs> two on their homestand, took two or three from both the Marlins and the White Sox, but then dropped back below 500 with Tuesday's 3-1 loss in their opener at Yankee Stadium. They'll then head to Baltimore on a relatively short East Coast trip. Uh, J.P. Crawford left Tuesday's game in the third inning with a right shoulder contusion, so we'll see his status. Uh, no Mariners push in the latest All-Star voting Do you returns. want to know what's even worse about Canada? What? How good they are at voting for players for the All-Star are, game. Are they? Bo Bichette? Oh, yeah. Bo Bichette's like the starting second baseman in the fucking All-Star <laughs> game. And meanwhile, nobody's voting for Colton Wong. <laughs> Jose Caballero isn't even sixth in the voting anymore. <laughs> I believe. Was he really? Is he on that's the what, ballot? That's what he was the last time. Cavi- we was he, we did it. Being written in? We talked about it. Wow. I mean, it's not a write-in vote anymore. There's not paper ballots. It's not 1993. <laughs> <laughs> They're passing them out at the kingdom. God, we voted and, for and you're punching through like five at a time to make sure that Rich uh, goddamn Amaral and Eric wow. Anthony are all-stars. <laughs> Well, it was 1994, apparently. Uh, voting for that ends Thursday morning. No I, Mariners are in the top four at their I'm positions. reserving this take for next week. But we're not even good at voting for the All-Star game. I agree. All right, Sounders, Ugh. coming off their bye week, return on Wednesday in a battle of two of the top three teams in the Western Conference. Is expected LAFC did move a point ahead of the Sounders in the West standings last weekend. They still have two matches in hand after reaching the final of the CONCACAF Champions League. LAFC's 1.81 points per match tops in the West. Those two teams played to a scoreless draw in Seattle earlier this season, so hopefully a little more excitement in this one. Sounders back home Saturday to host Orlando City, which comes in seventh in the East. Sounders will play both of those games without Jordan Morris and Christian Roldan called into U.S. men's national team camp ahead of the Gold Cup, which starts Saturday. They're also without Alex Roldan, who is also playing in the Gold Cup. Honduras, right? Is it Honduras? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You seem very confident about it. Uh, I pronounced it right and everything. His family is also from El Salvador. Also, there's apparently... Yeah, he's playing for El Salvador. Honduras. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 
that. Look, you only get this kind of podcasting on the Fabulous <laughs> Podcast. Nowhere else in Seattle Sports Podcasting are you getting debates about which country Alex Roldan plays for. Uh, Will Rain. Tell me about the Gold Cup, though. Gold Cup? It's the CONCACAF Championship. How often? Every two years. Two years. Yeah. Do we care? A little. But also, like, the U.S. is constantly, USMNT is constantly playing Mexico. Now they were in the CONCACAF Nations League final oh, on God. Sunday. Oh, which and they we won. care about that, right? The Nations sort League. Sort of. And I, I don't, is Greg Borhalter taking over as manager at some point during this competition? I just know we really care about the Nations League. That's the new cup we <laughs> care about the Nations League. You're thinking League. about the MLS Liga MX Nations League. Oh, yeah. No, there's a different Nations League, of course. People are constantly tweeting about a match against Mexico. And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, can we just stop caring about, like, maybe World Cup got it right. FIFA got it right by playing these matches only once every four years. Because we're just playing Mexico so often. It's really hard to be like, no, 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 no. This is the time we care. I agree. I agree. Uh, Oil Rain played a sluggish, scoreless draw Saturday in hot and humid Houston. Despite playing with a player advantage for the final 45 minutes due to a red card, Rain still had just one shot on goal and were outshot 18-8 to overall. But Fallon Tellis Joyce came through with five saves to preserve the single point. Uh, in addition to Megan Rapino with that calf injury we talked about last week, the Rain also played without Jess Fishlock and Rose Lavelle due to injuries. They have now fallen three points off the pace in the NWSL standings as part of a three-team tie for third. One of those teams they will face on Saturday. Is the hated rival San Diego <laughs> Wave. The Wave and Rain sport identical, 6-4 and 2 records and plus 5 goal differentials, despite the fact that Alex Morgan has scored just two goals in league play since Honestly, March. Honestly, we play the Wave so much now that I feel like I can't even work up a hatred for the Wave. Wow. Really makes you think. Uh, Saturday will be the last game. <laughs> Every sport should play one game per year. <laughs> you don't feel that way about college football, though. Uh, they used to play one game at the end of the season that mattered. No, that's different. It's not we're playing the same teams. You don't do a home-and-home home with Oregon. You play Oregon one time per year. Except possibly in the Pac-12 championship now. Uh, Saturday will be the last game for players headed for national team training ahead of the World Cup. We know that means Jordan Heidema and Quinn is part of Canada's roster from OL Reign. The U.S. Women's national team roster will be announced later this week. Obviously, many, many Reign players a fixture in the U.S. Women's national team, although the injuries to... Megan Rapino and Rose Lavelle complicate their potential availability for the World Cup. Uh, Storm, as we mentioned, went 2-1 and one in their first multi-game road trip of the season with wins at Phoenix and Dallas. Sound what? Sandwich. They're winning a lot of... Not all the games, but they are winning some games. I thought they were like 1-8. and eight. Uh, They had a record in that ballpark at one point, but now they have three wins against eight losses. Sandwiched around another blowout loss at Las Vegas. As we uh, previewed last week on the pod, rookie Ivana Dojkic moved into the starting lineup at point guard, had a big off impact on offense on the road trip, averaging 14.7 points, 4.7 assists in those three games, scoring double figures in all of them. Uh, Mercedes Russell also moved back into the starting lineup Saturday, had her best game of the season with 12 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. She remained a starter Tuesday to help the Storm deal with a physical Connecticut front line back at home to start a three-game homestand. After Jewel Lloyd scored 22 points in the first half to stake the Storm to a lead, Connecticut clamped down on defensively on her after halftime, particularly in the third quarter. We saw a lot of traps, and unlike against Dallas, where they 
played a similar strategy after halftime and the other Storm players went off offensively. Uh, that did not happen in this one as Connecticut pulled away for the victory. So what is the record now? Three and nine? Three and eight, I believe. What is the ideal record? <laughs> what is the ideal record? Like, I don't know. I mean, you want to be you don't want to be like hopelessly non-competitive. Don't you think that's important though if we're doing a two-year record? It 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 is, but you also want like the current roster to have some talent to add a lottery pick too. You know, you don't want to be bereft of talent. Uh, Phoenix now last in the WNBA standings at two and eight. With, Phoenixes? Yeah, Brittany Griner and Diana Trossi having missed the last two games. They also have the league's worst point differential. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, right now, looking at the two-year record, is there is there like a tankathon for the WNBA? Yes. Okay. Where do they rank? Uh, I haven't looked at it, but I know it exists. Okay. I love that. <laughs> So Indiana, we've talked about, we don't want to see them in the lottery. They're currently a half game out of the last playoff spot. Conversely, Chicago, we've said we do want to see in the lottery because they're strong 2022 record. They are currently in the eighth spot in the in the playoff standings. Are those good things? I don't know. Those are bad things. I told you that's the reverse of what you want. I guess there isn't a tankathon for the WNBA. So are we able to see to your record where they rank for the lottery quickly? Uh, I would probably have to put that together. Wow. Yeah. There's a calling for you. There, Look, clearly there is. ESPN analyst stuff isn't working out very well. I've seen some comments. and <laughs> A lot of people wanted me to get fired. I definitely I saw, saw that. I saw a lot of comments. People just think maybe you're not that good at your job. <laughs> and uh, maybe this is a new calling for you. <laughs> I feel like I could do them both. <laughs> WNBA mock, not mock drafting. Uh just record. Keeping. Yeah, just record. Literally just the re- year of I mean, year record. I do have like the simulations. I have not run them yet this season, but they do take into account to your record and your odds of winning the lottery. All right. All right. Put them together. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be... 11, 27 I'm, p.m. How long did that take? Two, I'm three minutes? do that in the pod. But, uh, <laughs> we will do that for next week. It's all about Caitlin Clark, though, right? Is there, are there any other players who matter? Well, I mentioned Cameron Brink from Stanford, who we'll be able I to see that. at Climate Pledge Arena. This very Friday night at the Champions of Change uh, All-Star Basketball Game. <laughs> not, not eligible for the 2024 WNBA draft, Jake won. Uh, but also, you know, we'll see about Paige Beckers, whether she decides to go back for another season at UConn because of the injuries that have hampered her career. Are there any players from LSU? Angel Reese. Okay. So also, like, all of these players will have a potential fifth year of eligibility, but some of them certainly will enter the draft. Angel Reese is, like, a... Typical year number one pick in the draft player. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was the best player on the best team. She's starring in uh, Starry commercials. <laughs> Happy to see that earlier this evening. Okay. So there's options even if the Storm don't get the first pick. Correct. It's just a good year to have a high pick, period, I think. Okay. Well, let's keep cheering on those L's. <laughs> Competitive L's. Uh, some Utah men's basketball news this week. Jeff Goodman of Stadium Sports first to report that Hall of Famer Larry Brown will likely join Mike Hopkins' staff. <laughs> Brown, who will turn 83 in September, was an assistant at Memphis for the 2021-22 season before moving to an advisory role last year and stepping down in January due to, quote, ongoing health concerns. He told the Kansas City Star that the deal is, quote, not close to being official, while Dogman, Dogman.com reported that Brown would serve as an analyst as part of the staff. What? 
Larry Brown. Why? I mean, I'm not mad about it, but like, I feel like maybe you want to retire, Larry Brown. I, I don't think he does. I think, you know, look, coaching basketball is his passion. This is NBA champion Larry Brown. This is the only coach to have won both an NBA and an NCAA championship. And he wants to be on the University of Washington men's basketball coaching staff. He does. With head coach Mike Hopkins. Yep. All of those words are true. As I as, as, as the reporting goes, yes. Okay. So. I just. <laughs> Just not as like a as you said. It was not like a series of words I was expecting to read together today. <laughs> I had kind of forgotten that Larry Brown was at Memphis. I mean, I watched them play in the NCAA tournament. They were in Portland. Did he have a relationship with Penny Hardaway? Uh, predating that, I mean, he might have coached him with the Knicks. I feel like they probably overlapped in New York. What is his relationship with Mike Hopkins? I don't know. He's been to upstate New York. <laughs> I've he's observed the leaves changing color. I don't I don't know. <laughs> it's all it's That's all, all you do in upstate New York, as I understand. <laughs> Never been there myself, but I hear it's lovely a certain time of year. Uh <laughs> this is the Michael Jordan's coach, Larry Brown, right? Michael Jordan's coach? Wasn't he Michael Jordan's first coach? No, Doug Collins was Michael oh, Jordan's first I'm coach. I'm thinking of Doug Collins. <laughs> this but Larry Brown play the right way. 2004 Pistons. Yeah, yeah, the Pistons. Coached Danny and the Miracles. Coached UCLA at one point. Uh, was, Coached UCLA? Yeah, way back in the day. Uh, the itinerant Larry Brown, always moving around. Indiana, Reggie Miller. I kind of like Larry Brown. So. I mean, I, I, I don't know if players who are being recruited to the University of Washington want to hear from an 83-year-old, but can't hurt. I suppose not. Uh, Huskies also adding... Wilhelm Breidenbach is a transfer from Nebraska per his social media. A top 100 recruit out of modern day high school, also Mike Hopkins' alma mater. Breidenbach played sparingly in two years with the Cornhuskers and will have two years of, the, of remaining eligible. He'd play like every game, but you know, he's kind of a, a fringe part of the rotation. Aspirationally a stretch big, the six foot ten Breidenbach took more than a third of his shots from three-point range last season, but made them at just a 23% <laughs> clip. He is most notable for his Rex Beck-esque goggles oh, and no. shaggy hair slash beard. Let me tell you, I saw Nebraska play one time last season. Not even, it was like 15 minutes I saw Nebraska play. As soon as I saw this news, I remembered him immediately. Oh my God. Because his look is that distinctive. Oh my God. I was going to say, envision Chuck Klosterman. I was, like that's exactly, 25% I was like, hairier. This man plays college basketball and has heard the hold steady. <laughs> that's why I wanted to come to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> there wasn't enough of an indie scene in Lincoln, Nebraska. Wow. <laughs> well, he's going to live on fashion, so that's nice. <laughs> I feel like the ferry ride to practice every day is going to be tough. He's going to make do. <laughs> I can't believe he played at Modern Day. Yeah. This dude is awesome. I'm all in. If he was on any other team, I'd hate him. But now that he's at UW, I am all in on William Breidenbach. There you go. Wilhelm. Wil- Wilhelm, sorry. Wilhelm also, his Breidenbach. name is Wilhelm. <laughs> his name is Wilhelm. Wow. Yeah. 
This is going to be a freaking roster next year. <laughs> We've got I mean, Larry Brown, was, Wilhelm Breidenbach. This was the position that you were kind of thinking is, uh, you know, they, they needed one more big guy, basically, uh, with Frank kept on coming back from the ACL injury and the possibility of, you know, foul trouble <laughs> between him and Braxton and me if they play together. So there you go. One more big. <laughs> I love the term aspirationally. Stretch, <laughs> it's not. It was not in my uh, spell checker aspirational, aspirationally, but I believe it to be a word. Uh, the other thing, last thing I wanted to mention. It's my today. new favorite husky. I love this dude. <laughs> last thing I wanted to mention. But today. I would say Hop is. He's kind of on a heater right now. He's like, he's done what you. What he needed to do basically this offseason yeah. to yeah, rebuild the roster. He needed to go out and get Wilhelm Breidenbach and Larry Brown. <laughs> 83 years, soon to be 83 year old Larry Brown. So, yeah, I mean, look, I think the Huskies have a real chance to make the NCAA tournament next year, and we'll see what, uh, what happens there from there. All right, the last thing I wanted to mention this week not a lot of Seahawks news out there. One thing that happened last week, a very exciting event. Pete Carroll went on the Seahawks man-to-man podcast. Did he really? With third Belton brother Mike Sean Ducar and Christopher Kidd, friend of the pod. How was that? It was delightful. How did I not see this every except on for Twitter? the Except for him explaining the establish the run philosophy uh-huh. for an extended period of time. Did Mike Sean just like bite his tongue during it? I wouldn't say bite his tongue. I wouldn't say that. He pushed back on it a little bit? No, I would say that he... Like, you know, it's Pete Carroll. He's prevent, presenting a compelling case. Like, you know, you want to be too harsh while he's on your podcast. No, no, of course. We only do that with a, with a small handful of our guests. <laughs> we harsh with uh, Katie? <laughs> no, Katie's harsh with us. <laughs> Get Wilhelm Breidenbach on. Be harsh about being big oh, stretch no. for Oh, no, I'm not going to say it aspirationally. Be to very positive face. on the drive-by truckers catalog. But <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more skeptical on his ability as a stretch four. Does Bright Eyes have Nebraska ties? Am I... Absolutely, okay, Bright Eyes yeah, has okay. Nebraska I ties. That's what I was seeing. He was listening to a lot of Okay, that makes sense. Good. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> uh, so the two, two best moments on that. I mean, number one, like from a serious standpoint, uh, it... Like Pete Carroll talking about, I guess three. Pete Carroll talking about Marshawn Lynch is an example of him kind of letting players be themselves and the benefits of that was really interesting. He talked about kind of the evolution of the defense and, you know, how the the purest form of it, apparently the, the Pete Carroll defense that they played in Seattle was with Dean Quinn because they had worked together in San Francisco where he said that kind of the 49ers reached a high level of that defense is, is obviously the Seahawks did in the Legion of Boom era. And then number three, him talking about how he had no idea where Quandre Diggs got the nickname Nino. And Mike Sean very politely pointing out that it came from the movie New Jack City uh-huh. and Pete saying he'd have to watch that this weekend. Oh, I'm a little surprised that Pete's not up on New Jack City. An American classic. I feel like Pete his like has he not heard the rewatchables about New Jack City? It's quite good. I feel like for him his like uh, uh, cultural level is like New Jack City era. Yeah, he was probably know. only in his sixties when it came out. No, <laughs> no, he was much younger than that. But Christopher Kidd did Chris Kidd did point out at one point that Pete Carroll had been coaching for twenty years longer than he'd been alive. <laughs> 
was Pete was his tone just like bemused that he was there? <laughs> I feel like Pete is really good at that of being like like I kind of can't believe that I'm here or like No, I wouldn't say that he couldn't believe he was there. No, or, I wouldn't or being say that. Like like you all know that I'm here. <laughs> I'm Pete Carroll. I don't think no, I don't think he thought he like made it clear that like Oh, obviously, I'm a big deal that I'm here because Pete's not going to do that. No, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. Like Pete's not a big timer. Yeah, Pete's like uh, he'll give you shit to be for being like right. You wanted me to be here, and I'm doing this. Yes, that's what I mean. I don't know the exact term for it, but but I think the tone was a lot like and and you should obviously listen to this podcast as everyone should, but it was kind of like you know enjoying the opportunity to have a longer conversation because. You know, Mike Sean was talking about how we would gladly have as long of a conversation with Pete Carroll as he wants. Absolutely, <laughs> open invite. <laughs> open yeah, invite. Never asked him. <laughs> we have not specifically asked him, but like the Mike Sean was saying that he saves his questions for the end of press conferences and lets other people get their their questions in. And Pete was like talking about like you know knowing that Mike Sean is interested in kind of learning about the game and and that sort of thing. So it was a fun conversation from that standpoint. That's awesome. I yeah. I will say Pete Carroll. Literally through anything, no matter what, how you feel about Pete Carroll, the establishing the run stuff, the being an old man about sports stuff. Right. I think right now, Pete Carroll, on on the Pete Carroll-ometer, right, to like greatest coach of all time scale to we absolutely hate him scale, Pete's in the in good graces right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here's what I would say about this. It's like even when we get frustrated sometimes with Pete Carroll's in-game coaching, yes. Pete Carroll in June... Is always hitting it exactly. out of the park. That's what I'm saying is that no matter what, you never would be like, Pete Carroll is a bad person. Pete Carroll like is a dick or whatever. Pete Carroll always is seemingly a very good hang. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a really good quality as a coach. That's why he's so relatable at his advanced age, right? Like that's why that's why you hire Larry Brown to be on your coaching staff. At 83 years old, because he can still hang. But Pete Carroll is just like... I, I felt I, like Larry Brown in this prime was, was a tough hang at times. <laughs> <laughs> Drink some scotch. Uh, but, uh, is, it, is your coach. I mean, I, I once, I've once i never interacted with Larry Brown on any level outside of like maybe a pre-game press conference. I once had, had a dinner with his brother, who was quite... quite uh, he was a good hang. What I'm saying is that Pete Carroll at 70-some years old... Is cooler than Jim Harbaugh at any age. <laughs> and is cooler than most NFL head coaches at any age. Pete Carroll can fucking hang. And that is a great quality. Oh, yeah. A lot of coaches are so rigid, right? It's just like you could see it in Mike McDaniel, right? You could see the lineage. Oh. You know that there are people where you're like, that's our dude. Okay. I thought you were saying that in a negative way about Mike McDaniel. No, no, no. I'm yeah. saying it in a negative way about most coaches. Yeah. Fo- most football coaches are really, really dry. They care about football. Probably the wrong things about football. They're kind of dicks. And they're really condescending to their fans. They would not go on Seahawks man-to-man. I agree. So I'm, I'm impressed with Pete. Chats to Pete. Again, on the Pete Carrollometer, he's at, he's at maximum Pete Carroll right now. Wow. Right? It's June. We got Gino coming back. We got Jackson Smith and Jigbud, Devin Witherspoon. Like, come on. You could not. They made the playoffs of Gino Smith. At least one second round pick on a running back. Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> I'm a Charbonnet guy. On that note. On that note. You're supposed to say thanks for listening. Hold on. <laughs> oh, you. What, what did you. Wilhelm Breidenbach is wide awake.
this morning. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>